On this episode of The Real Dirt, I speak to my good buddy Dave. He works for a cannabis consulting team called Artisan up in Washington. They're taking a unique approach to the cannabis industry. They're consulting company that's uh, taking over cannabis operations, um, partnering with people and putting in their style and technique uh, to support uh, several brands of cannabis. Um, Join us for this next episode. We talk about growing indoors, technology of the cannabis industry, uh, and where Dave thinks it's going. The Real Dirt at therealdirt.com or on iTunes, The Real Dirt Podcast. And we're back. This episode of The Real Dirt, I got my good buddy Dave. Hey, is Dave there, man? Is Dave there? Dave is actually here this time. <laughs> awesome. We've been playing this awesome phone tag game for, it seems like, two months to get this together. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's busy, always. It never stops. Oh, I know, man. Yeah, me and Dave known each other for a number of years. He's a, a an, an excellent ganja connoisseur and expert <laughs> grower, if anyone could be called that. I know humbly he might say, oh, man, I'm just watering some weeds. But uh, <laughs> Dave can grow some ganja. That that that's for sure, man. And 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 we met in California. You're, yeah, you're you're uh, married and have a child with another good friend of mine. That's how we met. Um, yep, some good family. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys moved up to Washington. Yeah, about a year ago. Right, pursuing a cannabis career. Yeah, man. Uh, times are changing everywhere. And I had a, a really good opportunity to come work with a friend that I've known for a long time for a really good company and decided it was time to take the leap and uh, start out in where I think uh, the next kind of phase of the industry is going. So you're working for a cannabis consulting group. Correct. Is, is what you're doing. And uh, they're called Zen. And you guys represent a few brands. How, how, well, what's going on here? Like normally when we think of consulting groups, they, they just go in and tell you what's happening right or wrong with your business. But this, this sounds something different. Yeah, it's a little more hands-on. We actually, uh, you know, work with them a lot more and uh, getting their product um, in terms of max production all the way up to, you know, the max that they can produce and just focusing on their quality. Um, it allows us to basically go into a grow and prop it up and uh, make it a profitable business. Oh, so you guys, you guys turn it around. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes we get the opportunity to take a place that uh, needs a little help. You know, sometimes uh, they get in over their head for one reason or another and just need some help turning it in the right direction. And uh, we have uh, a few growers that are uh, very experienced and very knowledgeable. And so we try and uh, use the team that we have to uh, get the job done. Well, man, I, I got this, you know, normally uh, when we see each other, we're puffing. What, 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 <laughs> what, what are you puffing on? Oh, man, I'm uh, blazing some galactic glue and this other one called the Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. Oh, I loved that show as a kid. Yeah, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a nice play on uh, on the on the whole thing, and it's uh, yeah, it's got a nice, unique kind of flavor to it. Um, so, and then the Gorilla Glue's just kind of got one of that classic gassy taste that we all like. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, you know, I'm I'm taking it back, dude. Taking it back to the '90s right now. All right. Mm. 
Yeah, I got some old school train wreck hybrids. Nice. Yeah, nice. totally, man. Uh, Thin Bud, uh, Sativa High uh, has that just petroleum taste of uh, the train wreck with that thin stem, thin leaf on it. Oh, it's great, dude. Pre, yeah, pre arcade cut. There you go. Wow, old school, old school. Old school, old school. Yeah, totally. I totally lucked into it. Nice. Yeah, I'm actually excited. We're going to be uh, doing growing of the Jack Herrera, the Ontario cut. Um, oh, awesome. So right along the same lines there, big nugs, thin blade leaves, um, kind of got that that train wrecky vibe to it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Oh, Jack Herrera, man. He, You know, he taught me how to smoke weed, dude. Like, nice. West, Coast, like West, Coast, West Coast style, he taught me how to smoke weed. I thought I was what? smoking weed before, <laughs> but like he, you know, joint after joint, give it away freely, smoke everybody out in the room, you, you know. Yeah. Big uh, old fatties. Big old fatties, dude. Like wake up first thing in the morning, he's smoking, you know, a, a huge joint and passes it over to me. And I'm like, it's seven o'clock in the morning, man. <laughs> Right. Yeah, man, those old schoolers, they uh, they know how to blaze nonstop. Oh, yeah, he was, oh, man, he was leading pioneer and prophet of the cannabis industry. I, um, I miss him for sure. Yeah, I'm stoked. I actually got to meet him twice uh, when I was living down in Santa Cruz, once informally and once formally. So that was kind of cool. Oh, sweet, man. Yeah. Yeah, he was a really char- charismatic guy. He would love to see where hemp's going right now. Yeah. Well, I... Yeah, it's, and it's not going to stop anytime soon, that's for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So, uh, back to the real story. <laughs> <laughs> the real dirt. I'm looking for some dirt today on growing up in Washington. Dave's moved up in Was- up to Washington, and uh, your group manages like one of the largest cannabis operations up there? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the brands, Artisan. They are been in the top three right up the get go, pretty much. They are uh, one of the biggest brands out there, um, and yeah, they're uh, they're streaming right along. Um, there's a there's a lot of producers up there, uh, but it's hard to kind of keep that shelf space. So uh, Artisan's been one of those brands that's been able to consistently provide what we call that Starbucks consistency. Um, you know, anytime you need it, we can fill your order. <laughs> so, uh, so you, so, uh, you guys are, all right. So it works different, different States, Washington, you're a wholesale producer and you sell a wholesale brand. How does it work? Um, so you can have a retail license, a producer processor license, and the producer processor license allows you to cultivate and also buy product wholesale and sell at retail. Um, and so, with that, we are able to buy from these companies um, and basically sell wholesale, uh, or sorry, sell to other retail stores. So you kind of, it's all separated so that, you know, if you have a retail license, you can only do retail. If you have a producer processor license, you can cultivate, you can extract, you can buy wholesale and sell retail. Um, and so that's kind of the breakdown how the whole how the permits go. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, you could be a kind of a, a smaller medium sized grow and not even have a brand and, um, to a company and they can package it and sell it as their own. Um, or you can have your own brand and bag it up and sell it and compete with everybody else out there. So it's a, it's a big market 
and there's a there's a lot of weed, but not always uh, all of it is good. You know, um, a lot of companies just coming out of the gate trying to get it going, and it's a long, difficult process. Um, a lot of money, a lot of speed bumps, a lot of headaches. But the companies that kind of push through um, are the ones that are going to come out on top. And uh, Artisan, Dream City, Buddha, those are three brands that are pushing forward and gaining steam as we speak. So how do they brand, like, say, Buddha? How does it work? It comes down to, you know, different price points, different quality. Um, you know, it's it's all the same quality. Sometimes you have, you know, variations in um, in product. And so that allows us to have a brand um, that we can source other product that may be more of a price point that's still high quality. Just kind of give some flexibility. That's one of the brands that we uh, that we provide services for, and it's just a good way to kind of expand the expand the team. So, do they like brand a strain Buddha, like Sour Diesel Buddha, or Cookies Buddha, Gorilla Goo Buddha? Like, is that what's going on? They're not branding the strain. It's more just the brand um, with whatever strain is in it. Is, right. is in it. Yeah. Yeah. It could be, uh, it could so be it's like Buddha, crack. Buddha farms or, you know, yeah. that type of idea. Yeah. Buddha okay. farms. It, it could be a galactic glue. It could be a green crack. Um, you know, it could be a cookies. It allows for some diversity in terms of, you know, the different strains that you can market. Awesome. Well, this is one of my favorite subjects. I'm sorry. We're going to have to break for a second though, Dave. Uh, Hey, this is Chip with Real Dirt. I'm here with Dave with Artisan. These new episodes are made possible through some really awesome partnerships. We want to form long-term relationships with other entities who have similar goals. Thanks to Grower Soil, a line of soil and nutrients manufactured and developed right here in Colorado. Also, thanks to Cultivate Colorado with two stores in the Denver metropolitan area. Cultivate has one of the largest selections of indoor to horticultural equipment in the known universe. So stop by if you have any growing needs. Grow your dreams, cultivate your legend. All right, and we're back. This is Chip from The Real Dirt. I've got my good buddy Dave here, and we're talking weed strains in Washington. Quality. So you guys separate out the different, the dip, but in, in the harvest, do you separate out different qualities of, of the harvest, or do you just consider different plants a certain quality? The different brands kind of cater to the, to the price point. Um, so it, it kind of just depends on what the sales team needs, what, what they need to fill. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So it's more supply and demand. Yep. Supply and demand. Yeah, you got it. Totally. Yeah. That's how the whole cannabis industry works right now. I just had a, uh, my last podcast <coughs> was Max Montrose and, uh, that was a significant portion of our conversation was how it's supply and demand instead of quality, you know, and anywhere in there. Do you, do you, do they separate out for quality at all? Well, that's kind of taken care of through testing. Um, you know, the, oh, right. the THC Whatever gets percentage. Highest. Yeah, right. that kind of lends itself to the highest quality, so to speak. And it's a, a great way for the consumer to be able to, before they purchase it, have an idea of what that uh, quality is going to be like. Um, yeah. So yeah. I haven't been up to Washington uh, 
and this is this is adult use. This yeah, is responsible this is all, adult use. All adult use is not medical um, cannabis. Uh, so you, what happens when you go into a store up there? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I just one. grow this shit. I just grow this <laughs> shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I imagine you go in and you show them your ID to show them, you know, that you're a resident over 21 and then, uh, you can, you know, swoop up whatever you want, some extracts, some flower edibles. All right. You don't, uh, yeah. So he, so I hear in, in Oregon, there's a, there's a huge variety that's in shops. How many, how many strains do you guys grow? Oh Did man. You know? Oh, it's gotta be at least uh six to 10. Six to ten okay. different strains. So that you you sound like that's a lot, but it's that's highly focused compared to other places for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's just uh, that's just you know a lot of the ones that we um, that we manage. Those are the strains that are being done, and um, it helps us to kind of keep things consistent in in everything that we do, and just kind of make sure that we're getting what we are expecting to get every time. Um, Right. Consistency well, well, for planning on the sales channel, you know, which is a huge part of it. You, you make a decision now and it's going to affect the sales six months down the line. Right. 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 Which is uh, one of the, you know, one of the things that coming from California, um, these six month projections can seem a little, you know, unnecessary at some points. But when you get into it, uh, it's actually a pretty big deal. and makes a, a huge difference if you don't have that stuff planned out. Yeah, that's businesses for sure. So, so what are the strains? You you know them off the top of your head? Could you recite the? Oh yeah, I can definitely strains? rattle off a few. Um, the Firehouse or the Fire OG, excuse me. Um, the Galactic Glue. They've got what else do we have going? Um, some Star Dog. Mm. Strain called the Dutchberry. Um, a little bit of Green Crack. Some Quantum Leap. Um, let's see. They got strawberry, sour banana, or sour sour banana sherbet. Yeah, that's what it is. Sour banana sherbet. Um, some chocolate lemonade chem dog. Um, man, like I said, they're gonna be doing some Jack Herrera pretty soon. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, that's ten. Yeah, there's some others in there. Um, some Allen Wrench, some Blue Dream, uh, Grape Ape. Oh, Grape Ape, great one there. Yeah, so kind of kind of covers the rainbow of colors, so to speak, you know. Wow, look at number 13, man. <laughs> um, oh, that's fun, dude. So how is it growing all, all those different types of, of weed? That's got to be hard. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we try and just streamline, you know, um, a few different strains for each facility. Um, it makes it a little bit easier to keep track of. Uh, but basically, you know, everything's bought a, got a barcode. It's all on a computer. It's all kept track of. Um, we have spreadsheets that are like veg room managers. So we know how many plants of each strain are in our veg in the various stages of growth at any given time. Um, and so that gives a kind of a, a little peek into what's going on from outside. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely not easy keeping track of six different strains when you're taking thousands of cuts and doing a two week rotation. It gets, uh, you need a good team of people. So, <laughs> yeah, I bet. How many, how many people you got working there? So, so you're the, you're the, you're the grow manager there at, uh, one of the specific farms, the Cascadia Grower Association. Yeah. Cascadia Growers Association. Right. So, and, uh, and so how many people do you manage there? Um, on any given day, we've got about seven or eight people in production. Um, we've got a handful of people up front in the admin doing, 
various, you know, planning, uh, spreadsheet, forecast, that kind of stuff. We have somebody that works in the, what they call the quack department, um, track and trace. Uh, so we've got, we, you know, we've got anywhere about 12, 15 people in the bu- building at any one time of the day. Um, and we're all doing various aspects of the, of the job. And in the production department, we got about max seven, I think, on hand. Sometimes we'll have a small crew. Um, and yeah, we just focus on growing flowers. We don't do anything else. No, no extractions. Um, we're just a flower producer and it gets sent off and uh, gets processed elsewhere. So it allows us just to kind of focus in on one thing and not have to worry about trimming, you know, bucking, packaging, all that stuff. Right. That's all contracted out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're, uh, we're fortunate enough to, um, have, uh, you know, contracts. So it's all, I don't want to say pre-sold, but, um, it's all contracted out. So that allows us to kind of stay consistent with our sales, keep the ball rolling. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that, that we have that, that consistent outlet. Well, it's a, you, you guys are doing a good job at it. I mean, you're producing volume of, uh, of, of branded quality weed. I mean, I know <clears throat> I haven't seen any of this product, but I can only imagine it's, it's uh, better or just as good as some of the last stuff I've, I've seen you with. Uh, you're known far and wide for high quality cannabis. And uh, if, you, if you focus <laughs> on the quality, the rest of it will follow. That's yeah. my motto. So man, let's, you know, everybody is so envious of you right now that my, that are listening to this. They like, wow, this, <laughs> this guy moved from, you know, took a chance, moved from where he was living, got a job at a, at a grow. It's one of the best grows. He, he's, he's, he's living the dream. This you are living so many people's dream right now, Dave. And I'm, I feel super blessed, um, you know, that I was given this opportunity and it's been a life changing experience. And, uh, you know, it's on not all uh, rainbows and unicorns. Uh, it's a, it, it is a tough job, and it requires a lot of effort and energy and time, um, and you know, foresight and a lot of stuff that goes into being one of the actually the number one um, wholesale producer for two months in a row now. Um, and but yeah, I got a I got a pretty sweet gig. I'm pretty stoked. So, I, I did kind of the opposite of what a lot of people do. Everybody's moving to California yeah. for the past few years to try and get in there. And I moved away because there's too many people moving to California to try to do the same thing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to California. Um, so take, take us through your day, dude. Let, let t- tell me what happens when you walk into the door and like, uh, I want to, I want to hear about the grow rooms and the sizes and like the lights you use and, 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 and what goes on. Oh man. So, uh, first things first, I walk in, set my smoothie in the fridge so it doesn't, uh, doesn't go bad. And then usually take my coffee out into the main area. We have uh, four flower rooms <laughs> they have kind of a big, uh, big wide hallway, big room, kind of a warehouse style. And there's four flower rooms in this area. They are each 72 lights. Um, they are all offset by two weeks. We do a two week rotation. Um, and then, uh, usually roll into the veg room, check out the clones, kind of first order of business, check out the clones, check out the veg. And then, uh, as the flower rooms come on, I'll go into each flower room, spend some time in there, see what needs to be done for the day. Uh, check the moisture of the plant, see if they need to be watered, check for bugs, pests, you know, check the levels on the temps, all that fun stuff. And then, 
formulate a game plan for the rest of the day. Um, we usually have a little mini meeting before we start work. So everybody is on the same page and has a task for the day. And then uh, as we go throughout the day and check off tasks from the list, I give them more stuff to do. And uh, we usually round out the day with a little bit of cleaning, organizing and uh, getting set to do whatever we need to do for the next day. Um, so uh, how big are your flower rooms? How many flower rooms you got there? Uh, there's four flower rooms, 72 lights each. Um, they are about 2,000 square feet each. Uh, they are tight and bright. We have uh, rolling tables, which make it nice. You can get in between all the aisles, but still push all the tables together, kind of like in a big greenhouse. So you basically uh, roll them apart, roll them together, max out the canopy. We got, uh, we're using Nanolux lights and cutting edge nutrients. Oh, Uncle John. Yep. Good old John. Yeah. We're growing in pro mix and uh, soon are actually going to be switching over to your old dirt, the good old Royal gold. Oh yeah. You were saying that. And uh, yeah. Hoping. Are you going to, you're, you're, you're going to straight cocoa. Is that what you're doing? Is that what you told me? Uh, Yeah. It's the two per. Oh, two per. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the high porosity product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're uh, we're making some switches with pot sizes, medium, uh, water delivery, nutrient delivery, and getting a little bit more automated setup going. Um, so we got an Argus system that handles all the environmental controls. Um, that's hooked up to a doser, and it can control everything from pH to ppm's to temperature, humidity, CO2, moisture content in the pots. It's a pretty nice system. It's got a lot of bells and whistles. And you, you guys. Water with a hose or you hit drip irrigate? Man, we started off hand watering and uh, that takes, you know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of labor. And so we eventually got all four flower rooms set up to a drip system okay. using some uh, stake sprayers. Oh, yeah, totally. Those pre, pre-made assemblies. Yep. There's yeah. some pressure compensating uh, lines with a plum. Oh, yeah. The- with the plum netafin sprayer stakes. Oh, that's right. I remember we, we talked about that a year ago or so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, that worked out good. Um, we are going to be, you know, we're switching mediums and pot size. We're going to go to a little more, a uh, little more automated drip style, a little more true system. Uh, the sprayer stakes are nice, but in the pots that we have, we drip about uh, every other day. So we're going to be switching to a smaller pot size. that's going to allow us to drip a little more often, kind of start out in the morning with a water first hour, second, third, fourth hour as we go throughout the day. And then uh, about two thirty, three o'clock water stops. They get a little dry down, dry out overnight. And then the next day we'll come back in and hit them again with some, uh, some more food, some nice low dose. Uh, all, so, all, all cutting edge. Um, no, we're going to be switching to mills. All right. Yeah. I know. The, yeah. I know, yeah. We sell a bit of that product too. Um, yeah. We sell it all, man. You know, whatever yeah. the customer wants. I don't. You know, everybody's got their their thing they want to do, right? Yeah, that's the beauty of growing. You know, it's kind of a, a creative work in uh, in progress all the time, and you can change your medium. You know, and it uh, just it gives you kind of like an artist. If you want to change your medium from going from uh, oil on canvas to digital, you can just switch over. So it kind of gives a nice way to play around and, and dial stuff in. Yeah. Right. Um. 
so uh did you say you were in bigger pots three gallon pots yeah it's you, a, you went to three gallon pots yeah we're in a three gallon pot right mm-hmm. now I, it's i don't think it's you know how the sizes go it's not technically a three gallon right number the, three it's a number three yeah the number three <laughs> yeah right right yeah uh so you guys got rolling benches uh hvac your your closed systems use heating and air yeah we got a, a nice chiller system that uses water basically to heat and cool the rooms um, oh, oh cool awesome um yeah. you can, and what do you do for the the humidity uh the humidity is also controlled by the chiller system oh okay um, so this is a geopod or or uh some some product like that do you know the name brand um for the chiller system yeah it's actually uh it's a big company i think it's carrier or something oh right um, right it's some big a big industrial application ah um, oh, i see yeah yeah so there's no electricity used to heat or cool or dehumidify the rooms it's all done by water circulation hot and cold water i believe and they use the byproduct you know, the hot water basically creates heat, goes through coils, and then they can use that to heat the room. Or the same with uh, the cold water. It go, goes through the coils and allows it to cool. I believe that's how it goes. It's, you know, it's a pretty fancy setup. Uh, I just try and focus on the plants. So. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, let, yeah, I'm I interested the, in the HVAC. The HVAC, Let the HVAC pros do their thing. And yeah, then, no doubt. You know. That's what's really progressing the cannabis industry right now is you're able to hire the pros to do their thing. Right. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, we try and work alongside with them. So we obviously understand how the systems run and mm-hmm. know how to maintain them. Cause that's a big part of it, um, is maintaining these new systems that are a lot bigger than what a lot of us are used to. Yeah, no so, doubt. The, it's, it's all changing. That's for sure. That's for sure. You got, you guys are using double ended lights of some sort. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Double enders. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some led lights that we use in our veg for our four inch stage. Uh, those have been pretty nice. It's a company called Forever Green Indoors, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, really happy with those. So it's uh, it's nice to be able to try new stuff out, and um, it's you know it, it's changing every day. Got to keep up with it. Yeah. So this is this is all indoor up there. Is it? It's all indoor. Right? All indoor. Yep. Yeah. No. No. There's a lot of outdoor in Washington, but Eastern Washington or something. Yeah, mostly Eastern Washington. And then there are quite a few um, greenhouse setups, automated light depot, fully functioning HVAC controls. Um, actually, one of the one of the brands that we manage, Dream City, uh, is all greenhouse light depot. Uh, they've got supplemental lighting, mm-hmm. 1000 watt. Um, and it's, you know, just like an indoor, but it's got uh, the greenhouse cover on it and allows you the flexibility to use the sun when you can and have the lights kick on when the sensors say the lights too low. Yeah. Greenhouse technology. It's, uh, it's, it's starting to catch on here. California's, you know, was been ahead of it for a while, just hiding in the commercial cannabis industry. Everybody been up in a greenhouse, but Colorado started, we're starting to see way more, you know, inexpensive and teched out light deprivation greenhouses. That's for sure. And I know they're up in Washington too. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good way to go. You know, it's a, it's a it's a tough market. Uh, California is going to be probably not the best market to get into the way it's looking right now. Um, so if you don't run greenhouses, you're probably not going to make it. 
Um, you know, but up in here in, in Washington, it's pretty much Eastern Washington are the only places that you can really grow outdoors. So the amount of volume that we're capable of producing in the state um, just isn't there with the demand in terms of high quality premium flour. So those indoor places are always going to have a spot in the market because of that. Whereas in uh, California, it's probably going to be the exact opposite. So it makes for an interesting dynamic on the, the trends and, you know, just every state's different. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll see, man. Like, uh, I don't know, man. I think there might be a flip in California. It's I, there's going to be a bottleneck as soon as they res- <laughs> as soon as they restrict the the private cannabis market from the medical cannabis market. As soon as that happens, there's going to be a serious market fluctuation, right? Because yeah. like current man in Mendocino County, it's like it's ten thousand square feet maximum, and then it's hundred thousand dollars a year proposed tax for it, right? Now, like that's just not like doesn't work for the economy. And then in Trinity County, they just ended their ordinances, right? So in in, in Humboldt, right. Uh, they've got just a thousand people that have got applications in. So that means probably 250 farms, right? Right. Out of what the government several years ago called 13,000 commercial cannabis farms, right? So, so it's like, and that's huge area of production for all of California, you know, and yeah. as soon as like the private market of that side's eliminated, it's, you know, like if it would happen to today, there's like, you know, a hundred farms or something, right. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, I don't know how many in the whole state of California, and I know there's these big operations and people think they're going to take it over. But for every 10 people saying, you know, 10 commercial growers say, you know, hey, let me, hey, let's theorize this. So what do you think a commercial grower square footage is in uh, in, in California right now? Like the people you, you know that are in the industry, how, how big are their gardens? <sighs> um, let's see. I mean, I've seen some stuff on Instagram that was like seven or eight, 2,000 square footers. So that's like, what, 14,000 square feet, right? The quarter acre. Right. Quarter um, acre. Hey, I think that's a good number. Let's, let's, let's go with that, man. All right. So if you've got one person that's, uh, growing 15,000 square feet, right. Commercially. And that's the average. And 10 of those, it's, it's say it's 10, 10 people apply and one person doesn't. I mean, 10, 10 people don't apply. Right. That represents 150,000 square feet. Right. Right. And so these like big operations that are popping up, like for every one of those is like 10 or 15 or even the 20 maybe growers that don't apply. Right. But just the ratio in Humboldt alone, where you got like maybe 250 growers that have applied out of the 13,000, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you know, it's interesting to think about who knows how it's going to play out because California's got to restrict the private flow of cannabis into the marketplace. Yeah, that's going to be really hard for them to do. I mean, I don't I don't think it's really possible unless they just, you know, shut down every dirt road and bust down every gate which I'm sure they don't have the, the manpower to do. Well, it is, um, it's it's going to be dispensary driven, right? Where the dispensaries can't, you, you know, the spence, dispensaries are going to be prohibited from buying in the private market. If they can control that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which I don't know if they can. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, you guys have a track and trace program there, right? What, yep. Right. Yep. Is, is, do you use metric? Um, the actual program? Yeah. No, it's BioTrack. Oh, BioTrack. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, the BioTrack and Metric, uh, 
uh, um, they they do. I'm not sure if that is that is it a statewide system that in Washington? Yeah, that is a statewide system. Okay. Washington has its own state system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little more basic, uh, but we use BioTrack, and that seems to be right. the most popular one. I know they have BioTrack down in California, also. Yeah, totally, um, totally. Yeah, Metric is the government system they use here in Colorado. They've adopted that in California too, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a pretty strict system, right? So, yeah, because you can't just move plants around easily, right? You have to tag and bag plants, so to speak. Right? Yeah. Uh, anytime a plant gets over eight inches, it has to be tagged. Um, and that goes for a clone. You know, even if a clone is eight inches in a clone tray and it's got root on it, it's got to be tagged. So um, that's a that's a big thing. You know, if you got untagged plants or plants that are in the, in the system that are in the building or, you know, aren't supposed to be in the building, uh, it can create, you know, some fines, some, you know, some, uh, some penalties and all that. So it's really important to make sure you got everything up in that area. And, and there are they RFID tags? No, they're not. I wish they were. It'd make a, it'd make the, oh, wow. So it's all the, UPC. Yeah. You got to scan every tag basically. Oh, wow, like if, yeah. if you're going to do an audit for a room, you got to go through and scan every tag and then go back into the system and check it out. Um, how many plants so, do you guys grow? How- well, we fluctuate um, between about 840 to 1120 in our flower. Range. Oh shit! So you gotta, you gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah that's a pain in the ass. 1100 <laughs> yeah. for inventory. Yeah, and then uh, we have about four sets of plants in our bedroom at any given time. So we'll have. Uh, a set of plants for every stage of growth that represents basically a different room in the flower rooms. So we'll have anywhere from, you know, four to 10,000 plants on hand at any, any given moment, closer to 10. Uh, closer to 10. Yep. All right. Then you, and if they, if, I mean, do the, do the popo come in and like say, all right, we got to count all your plants like that type of thing. No, no, it's a, it's actually the liquor and cannabis board. It's the same agency that regulates the liquor and alcohol in Washington is responsible for policing, if you will, the cannabis grows. Um, and most of the time, as long as you, you know, you're, com- I don't want to say compliant, but, uh, you know, have all your permits, um, all your certificate of occupancies, all that kind of stuff. They generally, unless called, don't really do anything. Um, so, so it's kind of interesting, you know, walking out the door across from another warehouse and they know what's going on across the road. And back in the day, that was kind of like a, Oh no, the neighbors saw me, you know? Yeah. yeah so right. <laughs> it's uh it's, it's kind of nice, honestly. Um, you know, not, not having that. fear. Yeah, totally, man. It's a, uh, it's very relaxing. <laughs> you know, it takes uh, some of that stressful element out of it and uh, just better quality of life, you know, when you're not not worrying about those choppers or, you know, that popo on the side of the road looking at you and they want to pull you over and check out what you got. Uh, you know, it's all it's all barcoded going from A to B from time to time. It's all entered into the state system. So, uh, it, you know, it's it's all in there. They can check it all out. It's as legal as it can get. Hmm. Oh man, that's great. That's awesome. It's, uh, you know, medical cannabis in California has come such a long ways, you know, and, and, and still it's not where Washington or Colorado is yet. 
No, and it's interesting because even in the medical laws in California, you still have the ability to transport, um, you know, and, and have some of the same written type of documentation. There's just no barcodes. Um, you know, there's no system that it gets entered into. So it's kind of a, a weird catch 22 down there where some of this stuff's in place, but it's not recognized yet. Whereas up here, they're like, oh, you're a licensed grow? Right on. Mm-hmm. How are you guys doing? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And uh, awesome. yeah, we actually had, yeah, we had uh, the company next to us, they're like irrigation or plumbing or something. Somebody broke into their building and, uh, you know, the cops wanted to come by our place and check out the security footage just so they could see who the the vandal was, so to speak, and didn't mess with us at all. So um, that was an interesting experience. Man, it sounds like you are living the dream, growing weed. <laughs> What's your what's your favorite what's your favorite weed to grow right now? Uh, my favorite weed to grow, man. Um, I don't know. I'm really uh, I'm really stoked. I'm growing this Jack. Um, it's oh just, right, yeah, stretcher. It's a, mm. Yeah, it's a stretcher, but it also just has those small leaves and big nugs. Yeah, um, I love all 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 three of those things you just said. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but you know my my all time favorite is sour, the the real sour diesel. Oh yeah, uh, man. Uh, the the one that most people don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one. It's 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 the best. Yeah, man. I just uh, smoked a joint of that yesterday. It's getting my supplies getting low. I don't know yeah, where man, I don't I, where I don't know where my next one's coming from. Because <sighs> you say it, it's hard to find. I I, I yeah, it's hard to find. It's hard to find. Yeah. Yeah, I've been jonesing for some good sour myself. It's uh, it's few and far between, and it goes fast when you get it. Yeah, I'm sure when I, if I I'm sure <laughs> when I go back to uh, to Humboldt, there'll be some there. Yeah, there but, should be. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Uh, so, man, where where you see the, this industry going? What do you what do you think's fix? What do you think's happening? You know, man, I, I've been thinking about it for quite some time now, probably the last eight or nine years. Uh, I got a buddy that's been in the wine industry and the restaurant business for a really long time. And so I, for years, have been trying to get information uh, from him about the wine industry, you know, just how all that stuff works. And it, it kind of looks like it's going to play out the same way. You know, uh, in the beginning, you got a lot of people that are eager to get in, make money, go big. And as you know, the majority of those people fail and it leaves the, you know, the bigger companies that can produce a higher volume uh, and have a a smaller margin. It kind of lends itself for them to be successful uh, because they can provide shelf space and consistency. So with that said, I see it going to fewer companies that are larger. um, And I think it'll get to a point where you know, it'll get, it'll get shook down as far as it can. And then probably like the beer industry, you're going to see craft brewers or growers start to come out with those super bomb flavors that have kind of been shelved to commercialization and probably see a resurgence in a a high quality market. Um, But I think even at that, it's going to be hard because, you know, it's just prices are going to be prices. And if you can't produce enough volume with those small margins, uh, it's going to be tough, you know. I'm sure even beers like Sierra Nevada have gone through tough phases of the market when now there's a lot of craft beers, you know, and there's beers selling for 10 bucks for a 22. Um, 
you know, so it seems like it's all across the board, but I just see it going into less companies that are bigger, that control more of the market um, with a certain amount of craft growers that are able to survive because they've got a low cost of production and a, and a product that nobody else can match in quality um, for a price that's comparable to what other people are charging for for their product. Um, so I really see that mm-hmm. that being that kind of the two the two options for producers or companies is. Uh, you better produce a whole lot, like a lot, a lot. I mean, I'm talking tons or you better have some stellar product that nobody else can produce for the same price. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's probably a pretty good assessment. Um, yeah. I mean, I know, I know people you gotta down have, in, you got to have passion, man. And, and that's, you know, I think it's kind of what the industry needs though. Is there's <laughs> definitely market fluctuation. We'll call it right now. I believe we're going to pick up in a quality of product when we're able to do uh, have have craft brewers involved and their efforts are paid, you know, uh, uh, for the difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's easier. It's getting easier to grow better product um, just because the amount of information that is now readily available, um, you know, with podcasts like yours where we can exchange information freely. Whereas, you know, 15 years ago, we would have never been having this conversation. Uh, maybe, and if we were doing it in person, we might've been hush hush about it. Uh, turn up the stereo a little bit loud, you know, kind of that, that kind of thing. Um, so it, it is allowing people to basically get that information and grow a better product. Uh, it's safer to do that. And now that with all the testing we have and the awareness, there's a lot of companies that are focusing on safe, clean, high quality product. Um, and so it's exciting to see all the the new information and, and technology that's coming out that's catering to that. And, education. Uh, that's yeah, for man, sure. it's all about it's all about education. You know, the smarter you are, the more up to date you are, the better you're gonna be at whatever you're doing. Wow, I know we used to have to read like Peaceful Valley magazine for our education. <laughs> Right, growers. Um, I still do that. Yeah, I still totally. do that yeah, absolutely. It's great. Great. Outdoor season comes around, man. You better check up on your Peaceful Valley catalog. See what they got. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Awesome, Dave. This has been a great episode, man. It's been great chatting with you about uh, cannabis in Washington and everything that's going on. To you, I hope I get a next time I get up there, I can get an invite in to see your operation. Anytime you want to come by, man, doors open. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks again. This is Chip from The Real Dirt. Dave from Artisan Cannabis Consulting Team. Thanks again, Dave. Thank you, Chip. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today on The Real Dirt. Got to talk to my good buddy Dave about the legal cannabis scene up in Washington State. He's head of uh, one of the largest wholesale cannabis operations up there. We had a great conversation about the transitions from the old school way of, of medical cannabis outdoors to how it's regulated in Washington. If you enjoyed this episode, please download others at therealdirt.com or on iTunes, The Real Dirt Podcast. Thanks, Cultivate Colorado, for sponsoring this episode, as well as Growers Soil and Nutrition, soon to come to stores near you. Stay high, high.